Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wabo's most inhuman work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. That's me. And we're back to talk about Execution 13.7. And uh, Blake continues his reign of creepiness by continuing to stalk <laughs> the Duchamps. Um, he, he basically is, is tailing them, not letting them get too far ahead, but not falling back far enough that they can't occasionally see him and uh, let out some fear and doubt that he can munch down on, which is nice. Um, and he basically starts out this chapter by thinking about who he is now. Yeah, and it, it uh, to me, it directly contrasted what he said at the end of last chapter. Like, last chapter, we finished with this whole, uh, you know, I'm just going to do what I can, and, and I'm going to be Blake at the end of it. Yeah. And then this chapter opens up with, yeah, so I'm basically like a monster now. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. Um, it's weird as well, because it's not, like, I could see it being... Oh, at the end of all this, I'm going to be Blake. And then the next, cha- next chapter opens with him being like, okay, so these are the things that I'm being monstrous about. Let's try and work on them, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's totally no. not what it is. The The language here, like, he he treats this as though monster is a neutral word, like just a state of being, not like a, a description that is used as a synonym for something being horrible. Um, he very is is very kind of neutral in his language about describing himself and seems to just be kind of like yep i'm a monster but that's okay that's just who i am yeah it's very emotionless language like it's just sort of descriptive he's just sort of like this is why i'm a monster and this is what i'm doing and this is how i think now and it's just kind of like this is just the state of things there's no editorializing um yeah it's just it's just sort of stating the facts almost. Yeah. And I mean, w- what's interesting is like that's you know what happened to the Blake who would tell the universe to go fuck itself even if it was trying to help him. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. He's long like, gone. This is yeah. <laughs> um, I I mean I guess I'm jumping ahead a bit. Um, but we we sort of later we dive into a bit more what are what emotional and psychological damage is, is doing to Blake emotionally and psychologically. Mm. And, and it, like, I'm just thinking here, you know, recently he sort of suffered some defeats with this whole idea of breaking the system. And I almost wonder if this is a bit of a reflection of that, like that, that idea has kind of been broken in his mind and replaced with something more monstrous, which is just his acceptance of the fact of this is my reality now. Mm. Um, which, you know, unfortunately is sort of the exact opposite of what he was originally trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like he's, he's, he seems to have fallen so far and, and even these moments of self-awareness are not enough for him to, you know, be, be able to pull himself back. It's so bizarre. Um, it yeah. just feels like Blake yeah. is mostly gone. Right. Uh, and it seems that he needs some like of his an team... emergency donation from Rose. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, humanity, exactly. Rose needs to check like, him with some blood. Imagine, imagine telling someone in like Arc Ten that it's like what Blake needs is an emergency humanity injection from Rose. Like if you told me that in Arc Ten, I would have been like, "Fuck off, you're an idiot." Mm. Um, but here we are. Maybe he can call on uh, that time he bled himself in the jail cell to get Rose back. Like. I'm sure he could use a bit of that from Rose. <laughs> um, there's this moment where <laughs> where Evan basically treats Blake like he's a complete idiot. And it's it's well, kind of halfway between 
being the kind of joke that Evan would normally make and what I just described, but I can't help but reading it as Evan having lost some respect for Blake after how stupid things went in the last chapter for them. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. I think there's a number of times in this chapter where Evan seems to have kind of lost his patience for Blake's sh- shit. Uh, like my favorite one is there's this moment where they're talking about feeling sure of yourself and green eyes is like being around you, Blake, it really makes me sure of myself. And Evan sort of looks at both of them and then Blake's like, good. And Evan just like <laughs> sighs. And I was just like, yeah, me too, Evan. Like, fucking yeah. hell. Like, I mean, you can just feel Evan just being like, oh, God damn it, you two. Blake was never good at the like emotional vulnerability and intimacy stuff. But even so, this is uh, a bit of a fail even for him, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a number of them, this chapter. (laughs) Um, So Blake basically goes from reflecting on how monstrous he has become to chiding Green Eyes for being too eager to be as monstrous as he is. Yeah, I mean, God, speaking of, um, I I just want to read out this paragraph where he describes how he feels about Green Eyes, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch around the names and the pronouns, and you Mm -hmm. tell me that this just isn't spot on. Um, So, by all rights, I should have been annoyed. I had concerns about Blake Thorburn that went beyond the fact that he openly talked about murdering people. He was impulsive, and that wasn't just a problem in terms of the risk it posed to him, but it was a problem in the risk it posed to his victims. Yeah, um, it's 100% spot on, so much so that uh, <laughs> if you had said to me, that wasn't that was actually a quote from Arc 8, it wasn't actually from this chapter, <laughs> I wouldn't have been uh, able to tell the difference. Um, yeah, it's insane. Like... Yes, he objectively he's warning them about the the benevolent. So good, that's good. Share knowledge, of course. But he's so on his high horse, like it's so ridiculous. I mean, he's got to be projecting, right? Like that's that's my explanation, sort of for what's going on here. Is eh, he's just sort of done this internal account of where he is, and he isn't quite at the point where he can be self aware about it. And and kind of the closest he does is look at green eyes and and see the same thing and think, oh, that's not okay. And so uh, m- this is a weirdly optimistic read that I'm taking, where it's just sort of like he th- there's that part of him that's still like this isn't okay, but all that part can do right now is project those feelings externally. Yeah, and I would be more willing to get on board with that if that hadn't already happened a lot with the way he interacted with Rose. <laughs> like I'm sure we've said this thing multiple times where he criticizes rose for things that they both do because they're so alike and that's been a theme throughout this entire story and he hasn't he hasn't learned from it so i can't get behind saying well yes he's (laughs) trying to you know solve himself by using green eyes as a mirror because that just hasn't worked for him in the past no but it means it's more likely that that is just what he's doing he just doesn't realize it yeah true (laughs) true Uh, but that's not helpful i guess (laughs) no no that's fair um so green eyes comes back with some pretty good clapbacks she basically asks him whether he trusts himself and he can't answer it of course but he doesn't kind of stop and think hey maybe i should investigate my lack of being able to answer whether i can trust myself here he kind of works his way around to talking himself into being able to trust himself <laughs> um yeah so so something we've already briefly touched on but i really want to talk about here is the idea that green eyes brings up that I can't believe I haven't really considered in such succinct terms, but this idea that in much the same way physical damage causes bits of him to just be straight up replaced by, uh, like, tree bits, mm. emotional or, 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 you know, psychological damage 
causes the, maybe those parts of his psyche to be replaced with more monstrous bits. And like we've known there was a link between, you know, his emotional damage and his turning monstrous ever since, you know, he had like the tattoos yep. creeping like when he suffered when I think it was when he got trapped in the mirror by Rose. Um, yeah, but I just I'd never considered that angle to it. I, I knew he was taking damage and it was making him more monstrous, but I hadn't considered that uh, piecemeal bits of his psyche might be starting to be more replaced in much the same way his body was, I guess. Yeah, and this kind of explains the turning point of the vision in the abyss really seemed like it was the point where Blake went full-on psychopath, right? Um, Yeah, well, those were all his most important relationships, aside from Evan, and he basically had them all broken in that, and so it kind of makes sense that since then we've seen someone who is just kind of detached from it all now because he's kind of lost that part of him to some degree yeah and that part of him presumably has been filled in by some abyss spirits so of course he's getting more and more monstrous yeah 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 exactly so i this just made something click for me that somehow i've been missing and i was like oh this this is such a great explanation for everything we've been seeing for so long (laughs) yeah it's Um, good isn't it i also love the bit where uh blake is sort of wondering like why green eyes always wants to have these chats with him during the more like deadly and stressful times. And he sort of notices that he does it at the end of the chapter as well. Mm. Um, I'm interested to see where this goes. Like uh, my sort of simple explanation for it right now would be um, like when they're in dangerous situations like that, the abyss is putting less pressure on them because they're already in the dangerous situation. So they're more themselves. Yeah. Uh, I'm not super confident in that read, but it could be. No, I like that because there's bits later on where, it seems as though when they're under pressure, Green Eyes and Blake and Evan all work together and are like actively more considerate of each other, more so than in these calmer times. So I can I can just kind of see that also being a point in that in the favour of what you just said, that they actually are the most themselves when the abyss lets up, which is when they're in a fight for the death. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I can't believe we're having to say this to Blake, but you should get more fights so you yeah, can I know, right? yourself. Just fight your way back to normal. <laughs> um no but i mean just after our conversation the last episode and and reading this chapter i'm really starting to lose any hope that blake is going to have this moment of revelation where he he, like i I didn't think he was ever going to become his old self again but i thought he'd maybe uh level out or or find some path back in some way shape or form Mm. i just don't know if that's going to be true anymore i'm kind of as i said i'm kind of hoping he can get some rose donations um and it, but I think if it's going to happen now, it's almost certainly going to have to be external. I'm just struggling to see how the Blake that we're dealing with right now comes to this realization himself. Yeah. Even, even if he loses someone like Evan, which I would have thought would be a wake up call uh, at any point in the story. Yeah. It doesn't seem super likely that it's going to happen, eh? Mm. We'll see, though. It could. Um, so. Blake is kind of thinking about Green Eyes and being worried about her behavior, etc. When he notices up ahead that the Duchamps are acting strangely. Um, and he notices, uh, well, his spider senses tingle and he sees some stuff going on up ahead. Yeah, I mean, basically they just leave him and his friends a nice little puzzle box. It's a, yeah, it's a present. It's a gift. Yeah. Um, I, wanted, I want to point out this thing I noticed this chapter where there's a few times where Blake just kind of ignores green eyes and evan um i'm I'm gonna read out a few of these examples so there's one where green eyes is asking about going around the box instead and she says uh we're sure it wouldn't be fast to go around green eyes asked i'm pretty sure i can keep up if you don't go quite as fast as you did before 
And the next line is, smaller symbols seem to point inward if I had to guess, I said. I don't recognise the language. So he just completely ignores her. Um, yeah. And there's another one where Evan asks, what's that game where you build a tower and pull out the pieces? And Blake says, it collapses then, I said. It's built to break, which is kind of a response to what Evan said, but not really. Um, it's um, it, it's the next step of logic, but it in no way acknowledges Evan's contribution. Yes. Uh, to the Yeah, I, I agree. He's very, oh, not even dismissive, you're right. Just, he just sort of ignores them multiple times. Um, like he, he never even acknowledges their concerns. He just sort of moves on with whatever he wants to do, uh, in these bits. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, disrespectful, right? It, it shows a, a fundamental lack of respect for Green Eyes and Evan, I think. It very much feels like the, the, a continuation of what we've been seeing from last chapter, except now obviously things are a bit calmer. And, and this is, you know, like his disregard for Evan with just sort of using as, him as a club last chapter was how this was expressed in the thick of the fight. This is how it is expressed in, in a calmer situation is sort of how I'm seeing it. Yeah, yeah, um, which isn't great. Uh, but we see that they connect a bit more during the fights. So again, get back to fighting. It clearly works for you. Um, <laughs> so Blake eventually finds an angle to approach this diagram and goes up to the growling box in the center and introduces himself to it. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, though, Evan does the heavy lifting here. Uh, this thing has no or it doesn't want to have anything to do with Blake. Uh, it basically only really answers most questions at the start when Evan gets involved, which yep. I, I thought was a nice touch. You know, we finally found an other who puts Evan on the pedestal he deserves. Yeah, finally another that treats Evan with some respect. <laughs> um, and we also get confirmation this this uh, box monster, whose name is Inominos, um, this box monster confirms that Blake is bound to tell the truth, which is nice. We've had that uh, assumption being kind of the core for a while, but it's it's finally confirmed. Yeah, I can't help but feel that this line was just thrown in because presumably the comments have all been people arguing over this and Wildbo just got sick of it and just, <laughs> I, I don't know, the, the way this line's included just uh, just gave me that feeling of um, Wildbo just being like, oh, I'm so sick of people still talking about this. Look, this is the truth because this has sort of been the assumption that has gone unchallenged now for yeah. a couple of arcs. It was challenged initially and we all seem to settle on it kind of being true. And and I like a confirmation this much further down just jumped out to me as something where I just think well I just wanted to put discussions to rest. Yeah, um, the one time that Wabo has said that he actually listens to what people say in the comments is and lets them affect the story he's writing is when people point out that they don't understand something and he has to clarify <laughs> it for them. Yeah, and that's essentially what this is because it kind of comes out of nowhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so then there's this bit where Blake is asking questions of Inominus and Inominus is kind of like, well, why should I answer these? And Blake says, just answer my questions and I might let you out. And Evan seems surprised by this, which is funny to me because this is, would not be the worst thing Blake has done is let a monster free. I mean, they kind of already did it in the tenements with the tall guy who likes to throw people out windows. I mean, technically Tiff did that. Um, and sure. also Blake had Evan murder a dude last chapter, which nobody's talking about in this chapter. Um, yeah, but wait, this this creature, like, Anominous, is, is really interesting because he sort of opens by defining, or it opens by defining itself as a wrong, mm. um, and that's expressed in italics, unlike the rest of that sentence. Um, 
and it immediately made me think of like black lamb's blood type language of describing things um particularly pose yeah and, and like it just like i think that's the comparison we're maybe meant to make here is letting pose go or even using pose was so unthinkable and now we have a thing that just sort of introduces itself as like i'm a fundamental wrong i'm a curse made manifest and black's like cool so i'm gonna let you go and what you got to do is attack all yeah. of these people and uh yeah like it's such a it's such a stark difference yeah um uh, yeah every chapter we get pretty much explicit contradictions from how Blake was to how Blake is now. Uh, hmm. so, you know, it's not Blake. Like, that's the that's the fact <laughs> of the matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, not Blake continues to talk with Inominus and is eventually able to convince him to turn on the Duchamp women, which is nice. Um, and a fun <laughs> note here, Inominus speaks almost entirely in italics, which is, again, just another little nice beat to make him seem strange, which I like. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you said this, nothing's like, uh, in Discworld, Death speaks in that weird font with the yeah. all caps, and obviously this is like a, a bit more of a subtle, uh, implementation yeah. of the same kind of idea. Yeah, it just so effectively works to convey the otherness of, um, of, of, uh, Inominos. And I yeah. actually was trying to look up Inominos and what that word means or what mythology this creature might derive from, and I... I was originally hoping to do a little monster corner on it to part the kimono, but I couldn't find enough t- concrete stuff. Uh, mm. But I found that uh, the word inomino is Greek for united, uh, as well as corporate and consolidated, which maybe is something, I- I'm not sure. Or-, or it could be a Latin root because nominos means name, so that would imply inominos means no name, which again kind of sounds like it could be around the right <laughs> region but i couldn't really get any further than that so who knows yeah i i did the same thing during and after my live read and pretty much hit the same information you did i, I found those two definitions and i was like well, this doesn't seem to help me at all uh I, I feel like the other big clue we get is obviously the glimpses of of the eyes of the duchamp yes. woman he's about to hit um and, and you know there's like crowds you know in a place that sounds ancient greek or ancient roman like with yeah. marble pillars and all that but like i if that it, i don't know it wasn't enough information for me to put it together at least i'm uh i, I still don't quite un, quite know what inominos's deal is yeah I, i'm not sure either um if you have any thoughts on that leave it in our uh, discussion thread let us know what you think inominos is um so blake chases inominos as uh he goes to the duchamps and and finds inominos fighting the duchamps and and holding its own against a lot of practitioners um basically giving them all kind of incapacitating visions yeah it's uh horrifying and part of that is because of how vague it is yeah it's um, vague but it's clearly as blake is approaching he describes it as hearing screaming and not just inominous screaming but <laughs> and then that that isn't kind of elaborated on but we see these duchamps like hunched over and we can kind of see okay this is horrifying whatever it is uh, it's it's not good yeah i mean like my best guess at this point is he turns like he turns the crowd of people into like a zombie army or something but um or he just tortures them with visions until he's stopped yeah so creepy shit, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But of course, it's an opportunity. Blake loves to capitalize on an opportunity. Uh, so he's kind of looking for a way to get access to some of the Duchamp husbands on his hit list. But unfortunately, uh, the big bad husband is here. 
<laughs> and uh, Blake and Co get attacked by some maynads that have uh, been scouting around, um, and a little scrap breaks out. So just before we jump into uh, this this fight, I, I quickly want to touch on something Blake and Green Eyes discuss on their way into this fight, um, which mm. is Blake brings up again his his high priestess tarot reading again. Yeah. Um, and I actually went back and and reread the witch's speech that he references. Um, and, and so just sort of to refresh everyone, because uh, I needed it, the idea was that the left-hand card, like High Priestess in this case, is your, your clumsier one. So it, it, it's really beneficial for you when used alongside your right one, you know, in, in, in desperate situations. And you've just got to be careful of how it's interfering with your life when things are calm. Um, and, and the high priestess sort of symbolized a, a few things, but one of the things that was really stressed in that speech was, uh, how it symbolizes sort of connections between things, yep. uh, in, in, in the world of pact. And I mean, it, it's hard not to read that into so much of what we've already been talking about in this chapter. And like, what we're about to see, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he, he struggled with his connections with Evan and Green Eyes in this chapter, when when things were calmer although admittedly also in last chapter when they're a bit tense but um <laughs> he he and green eyes work a lot better together uh in in this scrap here and then yeah obviously in the middle of a very tense situation he uh manages to connect with uh jeremy in some way shape or form mm, yeah um yeah i love that and of course the idea that it's the high priestess and jeremy is the high priest is uh, a pretty good one as well um yeah as soon as jeremy is introduced this chapter it's only as the high priest his name isn't said for a little while and it's like yeah it's impossible not to draw that connection and i i wasn't quite sure what to do with it until obviously how the the chapter ends yeah um but i mean this is something i think the story has been doing a, a couple of times like in 10.6 you know jeremy and blake compared their practices and i don't know yeah i think there's some kindred spiritness going on between these two yeah um yeah definitely uh so just a few pretty good lines there's a line where blake is fighting this maynad who is using alcohol to spew fire at him and he thinks how much alcohol could she have before realizing that it's a follow of dionysus <laughs> which is a great line um yep and then there's these blake has to intentionally he either has to or he does depending on how charitable you're feeling towards him uh he reminds himself of that he should keep his friends close that he should trust his friends he specifically thinks keep your friends close but your enemies closer but i'm going to focus on the first bit which people don't focus on that much um and it seems to help him recenter and and fight better as a team with green eyes and evan um so again i think that's the theme that we're seeing here is you know these moments of chaos actually allow blake to have a more uh human connection with his with his little team yeah yeah um under pressure he connects to people a bit more i guess yeah just as the card said um <laughs> so uh green eyes uh dives down into the snow after one main ad is taken out um and the remaining main ad calls for help uh and basically a bunch more of Dionysus's followers arrive including the high priest himself jeremy and it's pretty clear that blake is outmatched from the get-go yeah there's a real sense of defeat to this moment uh you just kind of like oh they're, they're screwed 
Yeah, Jeremy throws out the old, it'll just take one word and then you'll be dead line again. Um, and you feel the tone shift, yeah. right? Like, against the main ads, it's scrappy, but there's hope. But against Jeremy, it's just kind of like, ooh, okay, that's it, I hmm. guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do absolutely love Jeremy, though. Like, the the less I like Blake, seeing Jeremy again makes me feel like, oh, I just want Jeremy to be the protagonist. <laughs> Um, uh yeah it was it was kind of crazy how quickly i got back on board with liking jeremy the second he came back into the scene i was just like oh yeah this guy's just great yeah i mean it kind of reminds me of fell as well right and and original blake uh it's like a a smart person with a good heart who has just been dealt a shitty hand in a lot of ways like that's blake that's jeremy that's who fell was and it's I just love that archetype, and as Blake drifts further and further away from it, I want a protagonist who fits it more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, before Jeremy kills Blake, uh, he kind of explains what he's doing. Uh, just kind of, they get into a bit of a, a not a monologue, because it's two of them, but, you know, a, a dialogue. Um and he explains what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing and why he feels justified. Yeah, um, so I mean, obviously he opens with this idea that he has no plans to attack Blake's friends, he just wants to banish them from town, and it's like, shame he didn't lead with this, um, yesterday? I think it was yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, like, he... six, six arcs ago, that's, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, this information would have been a lot more successful, uh, 24 hours ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's interesting that Blake gets caught in this conversation. Maybe he is just stalling initially, uh, but he, I, he doesn't, he doesn't know that this convincing was going to work, right? Like Jeremy says, Jeremy expresses some kind of appreciation for the, the murder spree Blake has been on. Um, and, and Blake is obviously surprised by this. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just find it quite interesting in general how, both of them immediately sort of open up and try to explain themselves like ne- mm. neither of them really needs to actually that's not true blake needs to explain himself to everyone right yeah now. but um yeah it is interesting they both sort of immediately feel this need to justify their actions to the other one um yeah it's interesting you know the thing i like about it as well is it it feels like it is bringing blake back onto the side of humanity a bit this conversation with jeremy like it has this vibe of he's he's kind of almost desperately trying to explain why what he's doing is right and jeremy listens to him and even agrees with him on some of the points and it feels like it feels like all blake really needs to be kind of back on the right path is somebody to listen to and help him get back on track and it seems like jeremy is willing to do that at least a little bit (laughs) oh yeah maybe yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't have a lot of hope for blake but it does give me some hope um (laughs) There's this line that I find absolutely beautiful where um, Blake is kind of asking Jeremy why he's doing what he's doing. And, and Jeremy responds, have you ever had your heart broken? He asks. It's an important question. I had to stop to think. I can't say for certain, I told him, but I think in a way I am a broken heart. <sighs> it's such a perfect uh, and beautiful line. I love it so it's much. So good. I take it back, Blake. I love you. <laughs> Be good. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, and I think, for me, this is the point where, you know, Jeremy sort of cocks his head a bit at this. And I think this is sort of where Jeremy makes the decision that he's about to make. Maybe maybe it sort of gets tipped yeah. over the edge um, with the whole Colin Green Eyes bit off. But this to me feels yeah. like 
the bit where Blake really wins him over. Yeah, um, and he he lands it because uh, Jeremy kind of agrees with Blake, but still seems like he's about to kill him before Sandra shows up and uh, kind of reveals that Green Eyes is waiting right between Jeremy's legs, ready to pounce and snap his jaws closed, at least damaging Jeremy quite a lot, if not killing him. Um, and Blake calls her off. Blake says, no, Green Eyes, don't do it. Um, and without any guarantee that Jeremy is going to play fair, right? Without any yeah. deals being made, he just calls him calls her off. I'm curious yeah. what you think the motivation behind Blake doing this is. I, I think Blake, on some level, realizes he's gotten through to Jeremy a bit here. Mm. Like that's that's sort of my guess. Is um he realizes you know Jeremy basically just sort of says yeah I I hate the Duchamps like I love Sandra but I hate the Duchamps and I think. Blake realizes that this is someone who is in some ways on on his side and on his level. Yeah, but I don't I kind of don't want to I don't want to ascribe it to too much of a like a quid pro quo kind of move. Like No, no. At, yeah. at the very least it's Blake acknowledging Jeremy you're not a monster, right? Like Blake has been going around killing Duchamp husbands and here is the Duchamp husband and he makes sure that uh that Jeremy doesn't die here he he calls that off so there is there is at least that but i i also kind of just think jeremy listens to blake i, I just think blake mm. acknowledges jeremy is a good guy like a good dude <laughs> and somebody that he kind of likes yeah no i i think that's that's basically i don't i don't think those two things are completely distinct yes i think he he sees that jeremy is someone who's kind of agrees with him on all this large scale stuff and to him that's sort of like okay well this is someone who should be kept alive i think Jer- he realizes in this moment jeremy is not someone he would classify as a monster, I guess. Yeah. Jeremy makes a good case for himself here. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been pretty hard on Blake, but there, there, are, there are nuggets of hope in here. <laughs> um, okay, so Jeremy is released from danger by Blake, and Jeremy turns to Sandra and says, I love you, Sandra, um, but he's betraying her. And she says, I love you too, you bastard. <laughs> Oh, it's heartbreaking. I, I'm so unbelievably upset by this. Um, I did not think this would upset me as much as it did. Um, I, I mean, I love it. it. Like, narratively, this is fantastic. I cannot wait to see where this goes. But also, yeah. I have absolutely no want to see where it goes because I don't want Jeremy and Sandra to be fighting. Um, they should just kiss and make up. I Yeah, I know. And it's... I don't know... It's hard to know what the exact ramifications of this are going to be and exactly how much Jeremy is turning against Sandra here. Uh, but it doesn't feel good. It feels feels sad. These are the this is the couple. This is the one couple who you could be like, yeah, yeah. look, they just have a nice relationship even after all this, you know, dirt and grime of the practice has fucked up their lives and their their chance at being a happy couple. They just still care so much for each other and it's just can't let like, us have it. What it is is it's what it is is it's they've they've had something under the hood the whole time, and they've just never been able to really be together because of yeah, as you said, various bits of the practice, and this is just sort of the final like tear in the relationship. Yeah. This is this is Jeremy sort of saying. Uh, yeah i i love you and i and you know we've had this relationship but it's just it has to sort of end here and that just that really sucks i always kind of liked these two uh even though i i hate sandra on like a macro scale yeah um 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard not to believe that Jeremy turning on Sandra will not lead to, like, the whole full-on Duchamp Civil War business that we've talked about. Like, yeah. He he feels like he would be the head husband, and so him turning on Sandra, like, I have to believe that most of the others will sort of fall, fall in that line. But it was like, that yeah, thought I didn't mean, even occur to me until yeah. right now, because all I was upset about was that their personal relationship was being messed up. Like, that that's just, yeah. yeah. I can't wait, and, and I also can't stand to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, it's a a note. Let's just say that. It's a note to end the chapter on. I don't even... Oh. It's hard to react to because there's so much baked into it, right? There's so much positive and negative conflicting feelings baked into it. You just... I don't know. Yeah. It, it just leaves you feeling like how Jeremy <laughs> must feel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh... <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you think is going on here, Elliot? What what do you think Jeremy's up to? I mean, I guess I mean, I think I think as we touched on, I think he just agrees with Blake and uh, to to answer this, I sort of went back and skimmed his whole interlude and it, it was interesting seeing it in, in light of this reveal. Like I think I just got this impression towards the end of his interlude, which is when he was like meeting up with Sandra and and organizing to go against the Thorburns. It's just this real sense that he's just tired and fucking mm. sick of it. Um, like, I, like I guess it, you know he opened as this kind of kid who who got in and he he gambled and he almost sort of tried to change the system in a way. Like he was trying to abuse it uh, to get more power. Like remember how he sort of overthrew? I think it was Nathan, his his previous or his his old like the guy who introduced him to the to the practice. yeah his his mentor. And some of his lines during that are like, you know, oh, that's the old system. Like, this is my new system. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think he was a bit of a revolutionary in a way. And, you know, he was trying to take over the lordship from Conquest, who, as we know, has been in power for like 100 years or something. So I, I think, like, he was a bit of a revolutionary or something. And he, he just got worn down by the fight. And I think he's just sort of on the same page as Blake. And this is just, you know, I guess causing him to tap back into those feelings. Yeah. But hopefully he'll just explain it to Sandra next chapter. Yeah. Um, so he's back on Team Revolution, I suppose. I mean, I hope. That'd be nice. Um, we'll see. We'll have to see next chapter, because that's the end of Execution 13.7. Uh, but before we go, let's take a look at what people were saying five years ago when this chapter first came out by diving into some of these comments. Elliot, yeah. do you want to pick one out first? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, I grabbed uh, just a short little one uh, from Mark. Um and Mark just points out Dionysus was never happy that Jeremy married Sandra. Um, and, and so, like, while he might be getting a bit of a karma hit by turning on her, uh, well, you know, we know that these Greek gods and Roman gods sure do love their uh, their tragedies. And Ugh. what's more tragic than uh, Jeremy turning on Sandra? So I, I hate uh, that. Like, yeah, I, it's just, I think this is actually going to work out well for him in terms of power, because I think Dionysus yeah. will fucking love this, because Dionysus is a, is a dick. As soon as I saw the line, the gods sure do love their tragedies in the comments, that's when I started to lose it a bit. <laughs> like, it <laughs> frustrates me so much that yeah. this is happening to Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so what have you got? I, I put out a comment. It was kind of a thread. Uh, there were a few people contributing to it, but I think the main the main gist of it comes across 
through Nick012000. Uh, but there were others there as well. That's and my favorite, Nick. They're basically talking about um, Inominos and whether Inominos is a demon or not and, and what kind of constitutes a demon. And it's basically mm. a bit of interesting discussion with some uh, fan theorizing, but a lot of uh, references to, to the text as well. Um, yeah. Discussion on what a demon actually is and whether Inominos counts as a demon or not. He's kind of this uh, living embodiment of a curse. There's discussion about whether demons can be man-made or not or whether they have to be carved from man, stuff like this. Um, it's worth a read. Very interesting. I'd, I'd recommend going and, and finding that thread. Um, it was good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I think, if anything, this thread just sort of proved something we've talked about which is this idea of uh making demons so special in this world is something that's worse than everything else is kind of bullshit because yeah um there's a big discussion here about how they're different from other things like some people are like oh he's you know an ominous is just similar to corviday and, and other people are like well that's kind of the same thing as demon it's like well mate are they all the same thing as a demon it's like exactly <laughs> um so yeah uh I, I agree. There were some really interesting points made at various bits in this in this thread. It was it was really fun to kind of go through yeah. everyone's uh, everyone's sourcing. Yeah. Um, so go check it out. Um, but that's the end of our discussion on Execution thirteen point seven. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, if you want to leave us your thoughts on this chapter, Jeremy's crazy decision, or whether Blake is redeemable or not, the best place to do that is in our discussion thread, which we linked in the episode description down below. Uh, yes, so don't forget to answer the discussion question there, uh, which is, the world of Pact is a world of systems. Games are also things of systems. Which parts of Pact would make for good games slash video games? Yeah, um, leave your answers there. We'll be getting to those in uh, two episodes' time, in the episode that comes out on Monday. Um, but before then, there's still time to leave us a review on your review platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Can you do Spotify reviews? Give it a good old thumbs up on Spotify, maybe. Um, yeah, it would be helpful to help discover, uh, help new people discover the show and jump in right at this point, which is probably the worst point to jump in. Uh, but still do it. Still get behind it. Uh, yeah, and if you're sick of waiting for these episodes because they don't come out uh, close enough to each other, uh, you can get more packed uh, isms on our Twitter, MediaMD Podcast, uh, where I do my live reads in between the episodes. So that way you won't have to wait so long for, for new episodes. Yep, and maybe we'll post a packed-related meme or two every so often. No guarantees. Um, <laughs> for all the best content, packed-related and other Wildbo story-related, and even not even related to Wildbo stories, make sure you check out doofmedia.com, which is uh, the home of this show, as well as all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network, including my personal favourite, What You Say, as well as other great shows like We've Got Ward, which uh, totally stole our format. I don't know if you noticed this, Elliot, but they totally ripped off our format um yeah but man what is what is really in the middle of a hot part of the story right now yeah i am really enjoying it uh yeah. it's i'm so glad i caught up again yeah um yeah so uh go check out those shows on doofmedia.com uh yes uh and if you like doof if you like all those shows head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia that's where uh you can help keep the network afloat and you know by supporting us yep and not only do you get that warm feeling in uh the hole in your branches where your heart used to be for supporting us but you also get some tangible <laughs> perks as well um so you can check all the perks out for different reward levels different tiers at patreon.com slash doofmedia and while you're on patreon.com slash doofmedia you should also check out wildbo's patreon at patreon.com forward slash wildbo because wildbo is also supported by patrons and so you can directly help donate and help him continue to write these awesome stories uh so yes uh go do gods, it 
the gods do off their tragedies and and so do all of us <laughs> so uh go support the person who's making them happen yeah um and that's our episode for today thank you for joining us and we'll see you again soon for execution 13.8 on friday the 22nd of november see you then